0: Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Anti Bullying 101. This podcast is designed to create awareness about the bullying epidemic and provide teachers, administrators, parents, and even students information about the dangers of bullying and why we have to take a comprehensive approach when dealing with the problem. My name is Jim Burns. I'm your host. I'm a retired high school administrator with over 40 years of experience in education. Currently, I'm a college instructor and I've designed the Bullyproof Classroom, a graduate course that provides my students with permanent help, not temporary relief, as they battle the bullying epidemic. Enjoyed the podcast, everybody. again, everybody, and welcome back to Anti-Bullying 101. My name's Jim Burns, and we're here to share with you some strategies, suggestions, some hopes, some faith. We're here to share with you some ideas that you can use to help deal with bullying for children and, yes, even for yourself as an adult, because bullying has become rampant. Uh, I watched the debate last night. And I must say that it looked like there was a lot of bullying going on. And I, I can't understand it. I mean, I'd like to know, you know, what one of these guys is going to do for the country. And they all basically just tell everybody what the other person's not doing. Uh, and they were rude, they were discourteous, and I think the debate was a mess. I don't think it was handled well. I think that um, Chris Wallace did his best to try and moderate, but he had a difficult time dealing with the president, and he really was trying to keep the rules in order and do everything that you know a forensic debate lends itself to. But he didn't have. He didn't. He just couldn't get control. And one of the things that came out of watching the, the debate was realizing that no one has conversations anymore. I mean, you know, I want you to remember something: the worst conversations that we can have with someone are the ones that we think we've had oftentimes conversations don't are not a form of communication where we're communicating our our request we're establishing bound boundaries and we're learning how to say no. You know just one statement. You know, I'm not used to being spoken to that way can have a far reaching benefit as children grow older because they're understanding how to have conversation and what I call productive conflict. And when kids are taught how to establish their boundaries, they can grow into adults and they can develop attitudes that at times, you know, can benefit them without boundaries, they can be basically, you know, resentful, revengeful, and reactionary. And it can be daunting for children to do this. And bullying is so prevalent that it does take courage and is something that requires the quality and self-respect and responsibility for someone to have what I call courageous conversations. And what I'm gonna share with you today are 10 things that a person can do in order to have courageous conversations. Now, we're focusing on one individual. One person has to take the responsibility to have a courageous conversation. And certain things have to be identified when you're doing this. If I feel as if that I need to have a conversation with somebody about either how I was treated, what was said to me, um, it, it was someone unkind, discourteous, Uh, was I slighted, if I need to have that conversation the first thing that I have to do is discover what the most pressing issue is and when you discover that you can then really go into the conversation Fact-based and not emotionally based. And you have to be honest with yourself. It's a, you know, is, is this a problem with your parents, another adult, a student? Could it be between, you know, a student and a teacher? Or could it be between you and your boss? Identify the pressing issue first. That didn't happen last night in the debate. And it's a very basic thing. What's the biggest issue that we have to discuss? What is it? Well, they probably had five or six things on the table. The whole thing got emotional. They interrupted one another. And it was nothing but an argument. It was not a conversation. So you got to figure out what the most pressing issue is. Now... In addition, is there anything else? you In this conversation, you want to get everything on the table. And at times we can become frustrated. Okay, we can be angry and it can leak out onto others that don't have any responsibility in a given situation. So you got to be clear. You can't have this floating bitterness that, that's there, because you'll end up taking things out on your loved ones. And oftentimes, if we start a conversation with, look, I'm sorry that I offended you, that can go a long way if in fact you did offend them, because it gets their attention. So you have to determine if there's anything else that needs to be discussed. You got to get it all out there. You cannot, you cannot leave things open and leave things out. Like I said before, the worst conversations that you can have with someone are the ones that you think you've had. Number three, how is the person, the problem, or the situation affecting me? And you have to ask yourself if the person, the problem, or the situation is debilitating you. Or are you being manipulated, violated, or disrespected? If someone or something has an effect on you, where you lose sleep at night, it's time to have the courageous conversation with someone. Because if you don't, you will physically become debilitated. You'll lose sleep. You'll be stressed out. Your, your adrenal glands will be zapped. Your cortisol levels will be high. And you'll eat and drink yourself into oblivion. That's what happens when we don't get things off of our chest. And these are courageous conversations. I'm not saying this is easy. These are conversations that take courage to have. And I haven't even identified a problem that you could have with somebody else. That's another show. There are specifics, I am sure, that each individual person may have in terms of having a conversation and stating what's on their mind. This gives you the framework to be able to ask yourself these questions. And I'm going to share something with you right after I share this next question. Number four. What's the future going to be like if nothing changes? And this is where people have a tendency to lie to themselves. They can lie to themselves by saying it was no big deal. They begin to believe they can live with things as they are. Okay, and they don't make any changes. And that's a problem. The bigger question is, do you understand the change process and how to do it? And do you have the courage to make the necessary adjustments? for your own well-being. Understand something, folks. Change is a step of faith. You don't know that, you know, things that you did 25 years ago are going to affect you later on in life. But what happens is you have the faith that knowing Maybe healthy lifestyle, good relationships, state what's on my mind. And you're taught how to do that. You bring that forward. You're a successful adult because you don't have things preying on your memory. You have to have the courage to make the necessary adjustments. Ask yourself that question. What will the future be like if nothing changes? Now, I wanted to share this with you in this episode description i am going to have the framework and it's basically a journal where you can sit down and write all of this out the journal is available in my store i'll have the link there you can get it i don't even remember what it cost but it's something that if you get, you'll have it available to you. You can copy it, you can give it to others. You can, uh, if you're gonna have a family meeting, each person can have one of these journals so that you all can have that courageous conversation. And you fill this thing out before you go into any meeting, conversation, discussion, To prevent it from becoming an argument. So I'm going to have that link in the episode description. Question number five. What do I see as the other person's responsibility in this issue? You see, if another person was responsible for harming you. And you were offended by their words or their actions and their attitudes. How do you begin to confront the individual and help them see things from your perspective? And then when you're doing this, ask yourself if you are ready to disagree with the right attitude, because the person that you're going to talk with may deny it. And once you get that down, meaning disagreeing with the right attitude, then you can move forward. But you have to see what the other person's responsibility is in the issue. Once you can do that, you have to be ready to disagree with the right attitude because they're going to disagree with what you told them. Now, we come to this. What do I see as my responsibility in the issue? See, oftentimes okay, we don't want to accept that responsibility. And when, the, when we don't want to accept ours and the other person doesn't want to accept theirs, you're at a stalemate. Nobody's changing. And if you happen to be married to someone and you're at that stalemate, you're going to be arguing all the time over the same issues. Whether it be how to raise the kids, how you're spending money, you know, uh, when are we going out again, what vacations we go on. You're going to be debating these things over and over again if, in fact, you, each individual person, in this case, meaning a husband and a wife, don't see what their responsibility is. And that's a big problem. That's a very large problem. If a student and a teacher don't see their individual responsibilities, how are you going to solve the problem? If a parent and a teacher don't don't see their individual responsibilities, if a principal and a teacher don't see their responsibilities, if a husband and a wife don't see what theirs are, and if a boss and an employee don't see theirs, you got trouble. And then you enter into a conversation that ultimately turns into an argument. Question seven. What does the preferable future look like to me? In other words, what do I want to have happen? And what's my responsibility to facilitate the change? You have to be the vehicle that facilitates the change. We have to be the change for what we want to see in the world. We have to be the example. What adjustments do I have to make in my own thoughts, words, actions, attitudes, and motives? And you got to be honest now. And you got to accept the challenges that come your way. What does the preferable future look like to me? Can you imagine it? next one. These are incredible. They are really incredible questions that need to be asked. They absolutely need to be asked. I, I can't tell you how important some of this stuff is. Uh, and because you know, we're seeing it all over the place now. We're, we're seeing the issue. We're seeing the problem. We saw it last night the inability to have conversations that really are productive and not destructive. And if we really want to make change and if we really want to go forward, we have to be able to have those conversations. It's all over the place. It's in our communities. People can't get along. You know, it's in, you know, the, the fighting, the rioting, the protesting. And they, you know, you sit down and you try and discuss it. People are too angry to have these discussions. And it does take courage to do it. Number eight, question eight. What is the most powerful thing we, two or more people can agree to ask for? What do you really want and what are you ready to agree with for another person or group? And can you stand by your decision for what you really want and maintain your own boundaries? And are you going to respect the boundaries and requests of another group or another person? And this is what kids go through often when they have peer pressure. What do they really want and what is agreeable for the person or group? You could have a group of girls that want to go do something maybe inappropriate. Maybe, you know, uh, go off and uh, not tell their parents where they are. Uh, they might, they may want to run away and take other people with them. Who knows what they want to do? The bottom line is, even if this person is a, being victimized in a bullying situation, he has to have the ability to draw the boundaries and have the courage to maintain his own dignity by saying, I'm not used to being spoken to this way. And if it's a group thing, they have to figure out how to separate themselves from the group. And you have to be ready for people to disagree with you. Have to be ready. Question 9. Based upon the above information, the questions that we just read, what's the one thing we cannot fail to do? This is known as deal breakers. What can happen again? What can't happen again? And what will be the consequence of the violation of my boundaries or the boundaries of another person? What's the deal breaker? What won't you absolutely put up with in a family or a husband with a husband and a wife? If there's any type of domestic violence or emotional abuse, what won't you put up with? What won't you take before you end up deciding that I can't stay here because it's unsafe? Deal breakers. That's what you have to look out for. What will break the deal? What will break up this marriage? What will break up this friendship? And then question 10. Here's where you have to sit down and say, what are the practical steps we have to take to make this happen? What is my responsibility and what can I do to help the other person fulfill his or her responsibility? And this isn't intended to blame or call attention to anyone's fault. It's designed to create an environment of mutual respect and responsibility. This is a key, key set of questions. Now, at the end of this um, journal that I'm going to be sharing with you, what I wanted you uh, to have are two additional things. Number one, the steps to change. I'm giving you the steps to change or the things that happen in the change process. And I'll just read them to you here. Change is a step of faith. We might not always see what's going to be the benefit of the change right away. But we have to have the faith that it will come. Change is painful. No questions. And sometimes pain is the only thing that produces change. You smoke long enough, the pain of emphysema or lung cancer, or if you're overweight, the pain of, being, of not being able to climb a flight of stairs can force you into the change that you need. And then you have to be patient with yourself and realize that you're going to revisit old behaviors from time to time. People fall off the wagon in terms of not being able to maintain the change that's necessary for good health or positive relationships. And that's okay. That's okay. If you do, but understand, and we're going to cover this in future shows, if you're going to fall off the wagon you have to have a place to go. Meaning, you have to have a set of guiding principles. If you have a set of principles that you're using in in terms of your own life and you fall off the wagon and violate your own principles, you have to know where to go and get back with the program that you've set up for yourself. The next step is you gotta be willing. If you don't wanna do it, don't even try it because you're gonna fail. If you're not willing to do it. Requires positive thinking, It is the prerequisite for greatness. And it requires flexibility. It requires flexibility. The idea that you can do it, okay, and expect it to, you know, expect to be successful right away and expect things to happen right away is not true. There's got to be a, of some flexibility involved when you do it and realize, you know, hey, I'm not always going to stay on my diet. I'm not always going to be perfect. So don't be hard on yourself. The next thing is it um, that we have here is this. It helps us evaluate our motives. Change helps us evaluate our motives. In other words, why am I doing this? What is the reason why I'm doing it? And if you can come up with good reasons, I mean, really good reasons for making some change, then you're going to find that you're going to be more likely to stick with the program. The next one that we have is this change strengthens our character. It makes us better people. It just makes us better people. It makes us stronger. Patience makes us stronger. It puts us in a position where you know, we feel like we've accomplished something. It helps us understand you know, who we really are. And sometimes when we look at who we really are, you know what happens? We don't like it. And, and in order to make lasting change, the, the character of the person has to change. And the last thing that I have here for you is understanding effective listening skills. There's five of them, five levels. One, you can ignore somebody and I'm not going to go into the details of each one. Two, you can pretend to listen to somebody. Three, you can selectively listen, which usually happens during these courageous conversations because we, we only hear what we want to hear. Number four, and we're getting closer, is attentive listening, which we do basically with our eyes, our ears, and our body. And number five, we have empathic listening, which is where you want to be in that process of having that courageous conversation. You can call it active listening. You can call it a lot of things, but it's empathic listening. You're putting yourself in the shoes of another person. If we do these things, if we do these things, what will happen is number one, we're going to be stronger. Number two, we're going to be smarter because we're going to learn from the experience. Number three, our relationships will improve number four we're going to be obviously more courageous and number five we're going to be able to take a deep breath and say wow i did that we're going to feel proud of ourselves we're going to feel good about ourselves that we had these courageous conversations my name is jim burns you've been listening to anti-bullying 101 you've just listened to courageous conversations, I am going to leave a link in the episode description that will bring you to a spot where you can download this journal that I believe is necessary. If there's two people, you you can copy the journal and you can use it. Two people can use it. You can use it in a group, you can use it in a school, you can use it in a corporation, it doesn't matter. But these are questions that you you can hand this out, have people fill it in and bring the information to the family meeting, the faculty meeting, or the corporate meeting. Courageous Conversations. I would pick up this journal in a minute because I believe it will help you Build better relationships and strengthen your character and make you feel good about yourself because you didn't back down and you set your boundaries. Once again, my name is Jim Burns. You've been listening to Anti-Bullying 101 and I'll see you next week with another episode. Everyone, have a great week and we will talk real soon.